In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text for today is the Gospel reading, which I've already read. He's at it again, isn't he? Jesus is always healing on the Sabbath day. You know, it's kind of amazing how much trouble he gets in, into for doing this. But this is, in fact, what the Pharisees were hoping to catch Jesus doing on this particular Sabbath day when they invited him to eat with them. This was a setup from the beginning. By the way, when the Pharisees complain that Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners, why don't they make that same complaint when they eat with him? Anyway, I digress. They brought this guy with dropsy, which if you're not familiar with this older term, it's basically a, a condition where your body retains fluid and swells to the point where your body is grossly disfigured, usually in the hands and feet, and it can be in other places in your body too. And it's also an incredibly painful condition, as you might imagine. They used this man, who is undoubtedly an outcast due to his illness and in great pain, to see if they can trap Jesus. This is terrible. This is like making your child a prop to make a political statement. Kids don't know about politics, and they shouldn't be used as props. It's sickening. It's the same with this man. But the Pharisees are not above such tricks when it comes to Jesus. They know that Jesus is a man who is predictable. They know that he will do this, especially on a Sabbath. They know he's going to heal him, and he does not disappoint. Jesus not only heals the man, but he takes the Pharisees to task for the way they shamefully used him. Is it lawful, he says, to heal on the Sabbath or not? Which one of you, having an ox or a son who falls into a well on the Sabbath, they would not immediately pull him out? And they cannot answer him a word. You see, the Pharisees had taken a strict interpretation of what it meant to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. They were taught to do certain things on the Sabbath, or rather refrain from doing certain things, including walking a certain number of steps away from home, which would be considering profaning the Sabbath. In the Ten Commandments, God explained the Sabbath rest for us. If you look at Exodus 20, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The weekly pattern of a Sabbath rest is, of course, modeled on the fact that God himself rested on the seventh day from all of his work in creation. This bodily refreshment is good, too. We have become so busy as a people that we have to fill almost every waking moment with something to do. 
This has been on my mind in particular for a long time, but the shutdown in March and April really kind of magnified this for me. I was amazed at how different our lives had become simply because we weren't running to this or that practice or game or meeting it seeming like every night of the week. And I'm sure your homes were a lot like mine in that it was definitely an adjustment to spend so much time with the people who lived at your house. But after we did adjust, and we did it, it took some growing pains, but we made it, I noticed that my outlook on things had begun to change. Sure, there wasn't any baseball on, or there were no practices to go to, but goodness gracious, it really was kind of refreshing to sit at the dinner table with the family every night and not have to rush around to get it finished. We spent more time together praying. We sang more hymns together. We did really good devotions almost every night. We played more board games together. That refreshment was good for the body, and it was really good for the soul, too. And on the whole, I think there were a lot of really positive things that actually came out of the shutdown. But the idea of the Sabbath rest is much more than just a physical rest for the body. Listen to how God speaks of the Sabbath in Deuteronomy 5, the second time he gives a more lengthy explanation of the Sabbath. He says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So no longer is it just about the weekly pattern that's reflected in creation, but there is also a spiritual component at the heart of the Sabbath rest. It isn't just resting physically, but it is refreshment for the soul. Here God called the people of Israel to recall how he had brought them out of the land of Egypt with his mighty power. Here we see that the Sabbath is about God's work on behalf of his people. Luther puts it in his catechism hymn that uh, we should put aside the work we do so that God may work in you. So that we rest and God does the work. Now I want you to think back about a month or so, when we talked about the unique way in which we Lutherans talk about what we do on Sunday mornings. I know that's asking a lot. But typically, Lutherans shy away from the word worship because that's something that we do for God, and that's good. Instead, however, for what we do on Sundays, we actually prefer the German term Gottesdienst, or if you're not a German speaker, you can just look at the title of the hymn of, or the, the title of the service for today. As in English, it is the divine service. The emphasis here is that God 
comes to this place in order to serve you. When Jesus heals on the Sabbath day, he is simply doing what God has always done on the Sabbath day. He comes to his people in order to bring them refreshment in both body and soul to life everlasting. I suppose this is probably my biggest personal complaint against so-called contemporary worship. More often than not, it's very performative. And if you look at many of the songs sung in contemporary worship services, they focus on what we do for God. Now, certainly not all of them. But just on a whim, I did a Google search of the top 40 contemporary Christian songs right now. And the number one song called is called on the list. It's called Together. It's a song about unity, especially in difficult circumstances. Now, this is without a doubt a great message and an important one for these days that we're facing. I mean, just look at the news. But do you know how many times in this song that God is mentioned? Five? Ten? Well, the answer might surprise you. It is zero. Not once is God mentioned in this song. It is not fit for Christian worship. Now, compare this to the hymn that we sang right before I started my sermon. The first stanza says... Seek where you may to find a way that leads to your salvation. My heart is stilled on Christ, I build. He is the one foundation. His word is sure, his works endure. He overthrows all evil foes. Through him, I more than conquer. People loved by God, there really is no comparison between these two songs as to which is better and more fitting for Christian worship. For we are not gathered in this place to exalt ourselves before God, but to rest in his enduring work for us. Here, Christ has invited us to be the guests of honor at his wedding feast. You are a distinguished guest decked out in the rich robes of righteousness that Christ bought with the price of his own blood and put on you in the waters of your baptism day. You have the best seat at the feast, and he bids you to come up even higher. He bids you to come right up here, right up to him, that he would feed you with true food and true drink from heaven, his very body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. With his body and blood given and shed for you, he strengthens and preserves you in both body and soul to life everlasting. This is, as St. Ambrose says, the medicine of immortality. And this he does out of his divine goodness and mercy and his love toward you. These blessings he, he secured for you when he himself rested from the work of his labors on the cross. For on the seventh day of the week, his body rested in the tomb. And from that tomb, he rose again to bring you rest from your sins and from all that threatens you. He is your Sabbath rest. So, dear saints, let us find in him in his word and in his sacraments, the promised refreshment for both body and soul to life everlasting. In Jesus' name.
And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.